Alderman Joe McMiniman, one of our favorite people, is on the phone right now to talk a little bit about last night. Alderman, thanks for uh, being up with us this morning and doing this uh, here. Of, you know, I want to start by talking about the video gaming. And, you know, was, was that a surprise that the Illinois Gaming Board came out and ruled that the establishments have to pay the fines and not so much the gaming operators? It was a surprise, although I think they're interpreting the law correctly. There was some complicated method of crediting the establishments by the terminal operators. It caught everyone by surprise, and so we have to come up with a solution. Last night we had a, you know, it was a three-hour meeting last night, Chris, and almost an hour on video gaming and an hour later on on economic development ordinances of Andrew Proctor. I think the untold story last night, and I'll probably get censured by the other aldermen for saying this, the, the gaming lobby is one of the strongest financial contributors to aldermen campaign funds. They're much stronger than the retail establishments when it comes to making financial contributions to aldermatic campaigns. And so the outcome of last night was not really a surprise to me. The mayor wanted to help our retail establishments, bricks and mortars, because they're the ones that are really getting hurt by the COVID environment. The video, um, uh, the uh, terminal operators are the ones that owns the machines. They're deep pocketed. They're publicly traded companies. Typically, they've got the financial means to weather the COVID, but the retail establishments do not. And the mayor tried to help our retail establishments by offering an ordinance that would shift the um, fee for the registration of each machine. We've got over 600 machines, uh, gambling machines in the city, to the uh, terminal operators, and that was there was pushback on that, and we ended up with uh, the quote-unquote compromise, which, which is really a continuation of what has been the situation where the establishment owners pay 50% of the registration fee and the um, terminal operators pay 50%. Yeah, if I'm that under- doesn't really help the retail mm-hmm. establishment. That just puts them back to where they have been, but they're facing a, a really difficult economic situation right now. Yeah, they are. And, and you know, as I understand it right now, it's like uh, the, the video operator, the game operators can pay like $1,000 and put as many machines in the city as they want or something like that. How does that work? Yeah, I think um, the mayor was referring to, besides the registration for each machine, they... The establishments also need to have an, a license, and the machine owners need a license. And it's um, for the license, it's just one license to put the machines for the machine owners to put the machines wherever they want to. But in the case of like Godfather's Pizza, they have to pay a license fee for each of their restaurants, and that was what um, the Godfather um, folks were complained about last night and they had a good point on that 
Yeah, exactly. Probably, you know, a situation where they should just pay for one license, just like the video game owners, because they have one license that they pay to do business in the city and they can put as many machines as they want. I would think a restaurant company like that would be the same way. But, you know, getting back to all of this with the video gaming and again, Ward 7 Alderman Joe McMiniman is with us on WMAY 92.7, 94.7 and 970 AM. What about social services? And, and I know you've worked a lot with the p- groups in Ward 7. Uh, on this what are we hearing from social services as to people that are becoming addicted to these video gaming machines well it is a problem chris when i uh, i've been practicing law for 41 years and earlier in my career i did a lot of tax uh, representation taxpayers that get into trouble owners of businesses that get behind on their taxes uh, marriages that get behind on paying their taxes and what I saw, there was a pattern that um, some of those really uh, serious situations were prompted by one of the marriage partners, for example, having a, a gambling addiction. You know, going to back then it was going to the uh, casinos on the on the river or whatever. Uh, it's a serious problem. You've got a lot of lonely people in town that got no other way to spend their time except go to uh, the gambling um, retail establishment. So. Uh, even though I'm, I'm trying to help the retail establishments because they've, they've got a, a business plan that's now dependent on the video gaming machines. I'm the only alderman that voted against the uh, video gaming when it came into town. I thought we um, went way too broad with it, and um, I, I just think it's a bad idea for government to basically sponsor and promote uh, video gaming. And so um, that's my history, but I think you're on to something. I think there is a lot of social damage uh, taking place. Um, in our families because money gets put into the machines instead of um, the kitchen table or uh, you know helping grandkids or paying tuition or whatever. I know we have a lot of fail-safes on like the sports gambling, and we also have a casinos where people can call 1-800-GAMBLER or, or, or one of those numbers, and they can, they can get themselves you know, taken off the list so they can't actually game in there. Do we have any kind of safe protection as far as addicted gamblers with video gaming? Is there anything that uh, we can do to stop them from putting money in there if they're addicted? I'm not real familiar with the programs on that, Chris. You know, maybe one morning you could have Anita Bedell come in and talk about it. She's been following the issues having to do with addictive behavior for um, decades now, and uh, her name is Anita Bedell, and mm-hmm. offline I can give you her phone number. She would probably know best what programs are available uh, here locally and around the state. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the other things going on. Last night at the council meeting, you alluded to Alderman Proctor's uh, uh, you know, ordinance about uh, having a situation where the council has uh, uh, would be able to abolish the, the Department of uh, uh, Economic Development and come up with a liaison type of person that would answer to the council. And there would seem to be a red flag on that as far as executive and legislative branch on that. And then it ended up getting tabled. What do you think the future is uh, of having that liaison between between the mayor's office and uh, the Council for Economic Development? Well, I'd be strongly against it um, for the reason that, uh, and I understand Andrew wants to have the alderman more knowledgeable about economic development uh, projects and initiatives, but his proposal really would increase the city council budget by 25%, roughly 20 to 25%, because we're adding payroll to the uh, city council um, uh, uh, budget. 
and so I'm against it for that reason. We're in a tight financial situation, and we can't be adding positions to the um, aldermanic office. Right, right now, we're, the 10 aldermen are paid roughly $15,000 a year, and then we've got two full-time staffers, a city council coordinator and then an office um, administrator, and I think that should be enough. I think we need that those two individuals should be competent enough to understand economic development, to do some research for aldermen and do that kind of thing. So I'm against Andrew's proposal for that reason. I don't like shifting um, or adding to um, the city council budget like uh, the proposal entails. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. But I agree with the uh, you know division of legislative function from executive function. I think it's a mistake for the city council to try to tell the mayor how to um, run economic development. That's a mayoral function, and then we, we say yes or no. That's our role, to say yes or no to the proposals to come to us, but we're not supposed to, you know, form the proposals and that kind of thing. We're talking with Joe McMiniman, Ward 7 Alderman here on WMAY 92.7, and 9.70 a.m. You know, part of what uh, passed through last night with little discussion was uh, uh, pension payments and things like that. You know, you've been the stalwart of the council when it comes to watching the pension obligations and more. You know, we got some encouraging news uh, yesterday, not not a report to the council, but on air when we had Budget Director McCarty on that the city's financial situation looks a little better in June and July with sales tax revenue than that. But of course, we're worried about pensions. You know, what does it look like, and are we just kicking the can down the road, or are we making some significant headway on that pension obligation? We're making no headway on the pension obligation. It's getting worse, and I'm very disappointed in Bill McCarty. Um, he's been on the job nine years, and during his time, the pension debt has just mushroomed. It's just grown horrendously. It's the white elephant in the room. It's the big elephant in the room. Um, I think last week we got a report from our Actually, our uh, accountants and uh, our financial outside auditors that said that our pension debt to police and fire local pension funds has grown $44 million in one year's time. It's now over $400 million total, Chris. It's just, it's just horrendous. It's um, unforgivable, and we, uh, if we can make an extra payment, we should. We're actually, we're really just falling further behind each year, and that's why I vote no to the budget nine straight budgets in a row I voted no because we're just ignoring this uh, massive uh, pension debt problem. And by the way, there was some other ordinances last night that didn't get attention. We're being asked to pay $250,000 from the city budget to the county budget for economic development. So that creates a good contrast. If we, um, Bill McCarty is saying we don't have money for the extra pension payment, which was about, I think, $600,000 uh, roughly uh, in the ordinance that the mayor um, put to the city council. At the same time, we're being asked to pay $250,000 to the Springfield Salmon Growth Alliance, which I looked at their current financial assets. They've got uh, over $2 million uh, put away for future activities. So I don't think we need to put money there. But that did not really get a discussion uh, last night. We'll get it. Um, next week. And then real briefly, the Salvation Army, um, we've got a real estate purchase ordinance to buy their mm-hmm. adult rehabilitation center and retail, their former retail center on the 11th Street for, quarter for 300, uh, for, for, excuse me, three about $3 million. And that may be the um, winter warming shelter this coming winter. That, that has not been announced, but that's the way it looks, Chris. 
Yeah, I mean that that would that would tie up the freedom, and of course there there was a, a part of that was a warming shelter, was it not? You know, on Eleven Street there, I know they had the retail operation, but they did have well a homeless shelter for people too, didn't they? Yeah, they had what was called the uh, Adult Rehabilitation Center, sure. which is for you know people that had a, a serious drinking problem. They would live there, they'd work in the retail shop, and uh, you know live by the rules, and they'd graduate and two or three months and try to get their lives back together. That that adult rehabilitation center is getting relocated to one of the other Salvation Army centers. Uh, it may be up in Peoria or um, in the St. Louis area, but, um, yeah, we're losing it here in Springfield. All right, terrific. Well, Alderman Joe McMinnon, listen, thank you so much for your time. We always appreciate it, and uh, keep us informed, as always. Thanks always, Chris. Have you a bet. good day.